This is the Wildflower Bee Farm podcast for Saturday, August 22nd, 2020. Today I'm going to uh, talk about a number of things, including the hive report. I'll talk about a wildflower update. My um, moisture mats arrived. I'll talk about that. I'll ask you some questions about honey. I call that the honey report. And again, I had another uh, queenless hive, and I'll talk about what I did about that. So on the hive report today, um, and I'll be talking about, uh, you know, a, uh, so another queenless hive we found. The bees are really rocking. I mean, I, I go through every one. This morning I was out doing some um, weed eating. And if you follow us on Instagram, uh, you'll see where uh, when I got out there in the morning, probably around 7 o'clock this morning, one of the hives was just loaded with bees bearding on the outside. And about an hour later, they're all gone. And I'm thinking, well, where did they go? Were they about to swarm or did they all go to work? Or did they, you know, they spent the whole night outside. Why would they then go in? But it's still a mystery. We're going to go for a walk in about an hour to see if we can uh, find any swarms or see what's going on. So that was a strange happening this morning. Took the weed eater out and I generally uh, put the whole suit on because I've been stung in the ankles and they get a little upset if you happen to be weed eating. I have a blade on my weed eater so if I touch the skid where the hive is, uh, what the hive is sitting on. There's a vibration that goes out, and you know how bees feel about that. So they get a little nasty, and I've been stung a few times. So I wear the outfit just to relax, but of course they didn't do anything. They were quite happy to have me uh, give them a little bit more flying space around their hive. We know the bees are working, uh, continue to work in the uh, white sweet clover, which is a, just an incredible flower. Um, I'm hoping that if you get a chance, you'll plant some either on your farm or perhaps around your house or your backyard. They're also beginning to work the crimson clover. Uh, we have bumblebees everywhere. We have bumblebees primarily in the hairy vetch, which uh, not seeing too many bees, I think the bees prefer the white sweet clover. And there are still bees working in the um, other clovers, including the all-sick clover and the balanza clover, which is, uh, has been blooming for well over two months, uh, drying out in sections, and then it'll start blooming again. So it's, it's, it's quite an incredible observation, plus all of the wildflowers that are blooming. The goldenrod is just starting to bloom, and the bees are very excited. I mean, right now in, in early afternoon, if you go out and have a look, it, it's, just, it's just incredible. Every hive is just absolutely going crazy. So that's the um, hive report. I mean, we're not going to go in again to the hives. I think all of the hives we have, I believe, we're at 32 now. All of the hives are ready uh, for the final look. In about uh, a week and a half, we'll be taking off the final thymol strips that we have in there for mites. We have two hives that still have Formic Pro that will be taking off in the next uh, week or so. And when we do that, we will put the, um, they're called... Um, moisture mats that they're sort of like a uh, a square moisture about an inch thick uh, material that you put in the top of your hive and it supposedly wicks off some of the moisture and provides a bit of insulation and we're, we're going to be doing that this year last year in the winter we lost our hives to um, to moisture but also we think they were weak because of a couple of things one the habitat and two the uh, the mite issue so hopefully that will change so we'll be doing that in a week and a half and then we won't be going back in the hives at all most we probably have uh, about 40 percent of the hives or more are single um, single deeps for the winter 
the remainder are singles with a medium on top. We have one hive we're, hive we're going to try with a a, um, a deep and two mediums above them, uh, above that, to see how that survives. No word on my technology other than the fact it should be here within uh, the next three weeks to start experimenting where we're going to be putting sensors into the hives to uh, give us temperature, humidity, and uh, sound um, intensity. Now, the issue will be where to put the sensors because if we put it inside the hive, we'll get an accurate reading for a while until the bees propolize it and cover it and make it all, you know, antiseptic. And so that's probably going to destroy the, the sensors. We can put it just above the cover, the top cover, but that won't give us the in-hive temperature. It'll give us that temperature it will continue to collect, however, the vibrations. So it's going to be somewhat of a experimental kind of situation, but it will certainly give us uh, an opportunity to look at what's happening in the different hives. We do have a uh, log hive, a hollowed-out log hive that ca caught a swarm that uh, looks like they're going to be very strong. So we'll be putting a sensor. We have a actually when we had the hives made, we had uh, a spot made for the sensors in the top. Um, they're top bars, so they are uh, top bars with mine, uh, very tiny holes in the area where the um, sensor will be placed. And although the bees will probably propolize it, uh, hopefully it will give us uh, some indication of what's going on in those hives as well. Um, we do have a number of empty log hives. We put them up a bit late. I'm not sure what's happening with late fall swarms. Uh, uh, we may or may not have some, but it'll be interesting to see. And then we'll, we'll obviously... Uh, plug them up in about a month or so, and then uh, we'll have them for the spring when that happens. Now, let's talk a little bit about honey. There, there hasn't been a great deal going on here because we're not about honey. We're about uh, taking a little bit when there's obviously a surplus and then taking some in the spring when the bees are back making it for the next year and they still have surplus that they don't need. So very little honey is taken, and when we're doing an artisanal way where we actually uh, crush the comb and have it drip through uh, food grade, uh, food grade uh, screen, if you will, and we collect very small amounts. Those that are members and those uh, who have sponsored a hive or drone members will get uh, uh, some, some honey, but certainly not uh, a significant amount because we're not about the honey. We're about the environment and what we're doing for our bees and, and um, raising our bees to be healthy. And they will share some honey with us, but that's not the primary purpose of our operation. We'll be starting to get ready to um, prepare the soil for the late fall uh, wildflower seeding that's going to happen. That's going to be our major wildflower seeding. And right now I'm sort of walking the farm a lot trying to understand where would be the best places. We have about 18 acres of it we're going to be planting out of the 30 that's not bush. And so uh, have some ideas and we'll start to prepare that within the next, uh, probably within the next month. The concern I have is working land when there's actually clover or flowering, um, you know, wildflowers. I mean, this will be the last time the land is worked like this, uh, but it, it has to happen or else the wildflowers won't be able to begin to grow. Now, I came across another hive. This is an interesting story about a hive we had. And the hive was an original hive, one of the original 13 that came in in the spring. And I split that hive and made another hive with it. Um, and that hive wouldn't, didn't do very well. So I added a uh, queen cell to it. 
and it still didn't wasn't doing great but then it started to take off somewhat meanwhile the main high where we started the original high uh, appeared to be queenless and sure enough when i went in this week and had a look there were no eggs no brood there was nothing going on but a lot of honey and there were still quite a few foragers there were a significant number of bees in that hive but there were no there was obviously no queen so what i did was at first i was going to think well you know maybe this is a good chance for an experiment i'll take a frame of some eggs and uh, brood and maybe another um, frame of brood and they will raise a new queen 16 days will put us into early september there's so much food there but then i thought you know the chances of this working are slim to none because it was it's so late in the season so instead of that i simply combined the main hive that had no queen the base hive and took it over to the hive that i had split it from which had a queen and combined them again and uh took me about five minutes to do it with the newspaper method as i talk about in the blog at wildflowerbeefarm.com and the exciting part is very quickly, within three or four days, they were they seemed very happy. The the bees, the foragers, were obviously had broken through because that hive's activity doubled or tripled. And so they were um, able to connect. Plus, they had all those food stores, probably six or seven frames of honey, uh, pollen, and nectar extra. So that, that will be a, a double hive, a double box hive that will go through the winter, and hopefully it will survive. We'll be putting a... Um, We'll be putting a um, moisture blanket on the top. Other than that, we'll uh, be taking the thymol off the main hive and, and going with it for the winter. It's really hard to believe as I wind down this podcast that we're actually getting into the fall. And uh, pretty soon we'll be into, into the winter. Now, because we help bees, we don't keep them. We'll be basically monitoring them. Um, Every day I, I walk by all the hives at least uh, once, sometimes twice, uh, to, to really get to know their patterns and time of day. Most bees on our farm don't really get going till late morning. I uh, read an, a fascinating book. I just finished a fascinating book my sons gave me for my birthday called Bee Time. And in the book I learned, surprisingly, I'm not sure if you knew this, that bees actually uh, don't work that hard when most of the time. They work when they have to. But they take a lot of time off so that they have the energy and that they have the storage and stores to be able to work hard when they have to. So when there's a nectar flow as we have on now at the farm, they are working very hard. But there are other times when they don't. And, and I found that to be a fascinating piece of research. The bees know how to manage their time. They're very much about downtime to help them have an enhanced work time. And I think we as humans obviously could learn a great deal about that. If you have some time on a rainy day, I, I strongly recommend the book Bee Time. Uh, pick it up and read it. And it's a, it's, it's a philosophical kind of look at bees and how uh, if you relate them to what we do as humans, we could learn a great deal from them. Just a final point before I go. I, the more I do this and the more I watch what's happening, I look at the bumblebees and the hairy vetch, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of bumblebees now on the farm. And I walk around and I think... I wonder how much of our bee problem is habitat. That um, not just I'm not just talking honeybees. I'm talking about wild pollinators. I believe one of the issues, and I'm more conscious. The other day this week, I had to drive to Niagara Falls from here in Blenheim, and I, I drove looking particularly along the highway to see if there was any real habitat for bees. There were a few areas where the ditches could not be cut with um, 
with uh, choppers or flail choppers or sprayed with Roundup. But in most cases, you know, you could not find weedy, um, you know, um, type of habitat that would be ideal for pollinators. Um, there was some goldenrod you could see in certain parts that were about to, to bloom in parts of um, right near Brantford and Hamilton on the 403. But other than that, there weren't very many areas where you would know that bees could find, uh, you know, things to forage. So I think, I think a big issue we have is, is habitat. And so I'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see. We'll probably go into the winter with right around 30 hives. Uh, normally in nature, about 30% don't make it, which would mean we would lose about 10 hives. We'll have to see how we do. Um, they're all going to be packed with honey. They've all been treated for mites using natural formic acid or thymol or um, strips from the herb thyme herb and um, two fairly effective methods to help bees with, uh, with mites. Um, and, and that'll be it with the blanket on top, the moisture blanket, and, and the, the hives that are in the uh, top bar hives or the hollowed out log hives will not have those moisture blankets because they're not made for that type of an environment, and the bees don't need it uh, in those uh, types of uh, environments where they are. So this week, as we look forward to what's happening, I'll be preparing to um, put the um, moisture blankets on all the hives and do some more ob observing. And uh, we may get some late season swarms, which would be a fascinating thing to study throughout the winter. You have an amazing week, and I'll talk to you soon. This is Henry from the wildflowerbeefarm.com. Have a great one.